As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. High in the air, Brito back at the wall, adios, pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 184 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Bagley. And Andy, 184 Dodgers-Giants games ago. It was September 21st, 2011. The Giants won this one, 8-5. Who was the cleanup hitter for the Giants? September 21st, 2011, 184 Giants-Dodgers games ago. Wow, 2011. Well, it wouldn't have been Buster Posey. He would have been out for the season. Um, Boy, who would it have been? Would it have been Carlos Beltran, maybe? He was hitting third. I will give you one last hint. Uh, This batter had an OPS of 1,067. Mm, Scott McClain. It was Brett Pill. Brett, Brett Pill. Brett Pill. This is a, a just a fantastic remember some guys lineup. You had Mike Fontenot starting at shortstop over a slumping Brandon Crawford. Uh, Ryan Vogelsong made the start. But I bring it up uh, mostly because the Giants actually beat the Dodgers in that game, 8-5. to five. They're not doing that so much these days. It was a rough, quick two-game series in Los Angeles. You mean uh, Darren Ruff as an R-U-F or R-O-U-G-H? <laughs> because both of those could apply um, since you wrote about Darren Ruff and, and, and it kind of went along with what I wrote after Tuesday night's game uh, about the challenges that the Giants are facing and, and the Dodgers too and everyone uh, with what is you know becoming pretty clearly a different hitting environment in 2022. I mean, it's a small sample, but I think the amount of data is, has is growing and it's kind of irrefutable at this point and scientific. And you even have it on MLB's official uh, website. You know, they have the, the drag coefficient is different on the baseball. It's not traveling as far, and uh, it is creating uh, some unique challenges and maybe causing some teams to rethink how they have to try to score runs. Um, and, and clearly, I think the Giants are a little bit challenged right now, both because of the personnel they're missing and uh, 
if you're seeing a good Dodgers pitching, you're never going to face bad Dodgers pitching. And, um, and yeah, they, they went to L.A. and they lost two in a row. It's not the end of the world. People are probably going to make a bigger deal out of it than it is. But it does underscore that, you know, this is a little bit of a different hitting environment. And it's going to be really fascinating to watch how different teams adjust to it. The Giants, you know, at the top of that list. And I don't want to be hyper-focused on the changes to the ball or the, the hitting environment. I don't want to be hyperbolic about it. At the same time, it feels a little bit like the 1985 Cardinals come back for the 1986 season and right before the season starts, baseball goes, oh, wait, 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 no more stealing bases. And the 86 Cardinals are like, wait a second, that's kind of our whole identity because the Giants, their identity isn't to hit the ball 450 feet. Their identity is to hit it 390 feet, 401 feet, uh, to hit it just over the fence and maximize every last ounce of strength that they have. And when things change just a little bit, there is a tipping point, and it sure seems like there has been a tipping point that's been reached, and the Giants just aren't hitting the ball far enough to go over the fence. Most teams aren't, but especially the Giants. You know, um, I looked up how many balls they've hit 400-plus feet, and uh, Jock Peterson's done it five times. Nobody else has hit a, a baseball over 400 feet more than once on the Giants. Tyro Stratus done it once. Um, Brandon Belt's done it once. Uh, Brandon Crawford's done it once. Joey Bart's done it once. Jason Vossler's done it once, but I mean, and you go down the line, that you think, "Wow, that's that's really that's really telling." Uh, but really, they're they're kind of middle of the pack in MLB when you look at 400 foot drives. The Cardinals have hit four of them as a team all season. Um, but you know, I was reading a really good piece uh, on Yahoo Sports um, uh, by a, a former um, baseball prospectus writer named Zach Kreiser, and you know, one of the things that he delves into going not only looking at what this hitting environment means, but what kind of hitters actually could, you know, be more valuable because of it. And he's like, hey, right-handed pull uh, is, is something that that is going to to be more valuable now because you don't have to hit it as far. You just it's more about direction. And you look at Nolan Arenado. There he is. He's he might be the best offensive player in the National League uh, through through April. And and he's not hitting 440 foot homers. He's just putting it over the fence in the, that left field corner. And oh, guess what? The Giants are going to have to contend with him uh, in a Cardinals uniform for the next few days. So yeah, I just think yeah, you slice this up all kinds of different ways. You look at an Eric Hosmer and the fact that he's having a nice resurgent uh, a month and a month and, and change. And it's like, wait, he's a line drive hitter. Yeah, the 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 fly ball revolution, the the, the launch era revolution, kind of passed him by, but. You know, maybe he's got value again with the way that the ball is changing, uh, the way that, um, you know, the hitting environment is changing. And, you know, we don't want to say, well, you know, this is the way it's going to be. I mean, it's still evolving, but it's definitely different. I mean, it's definitely going to be something that's going to affect how teams uh, uh, how teams uh, play. And, and even it's going to affect, talking to Joey Bart the other day in the dugout, it's going to affect how he calls pitches too because he knows he's going to have more ballpark to play with. Let's see, Google.com. Is Joe Panic a free agent? <laughs> no, it's it, listen. I don't want to make it sound like "Whoa, is the Giants baseball switched the shells on them?" And oh, they're just in a bad place because this is affecting every team. You're seeing it with the Dodgers. It's not like every ball they were hitting is going out, and then they're swapping in these wet, heavy baseballs for the Giants. It's affecting every team. And if you are going to have to make adjustments midseason, you're going to want to do it with a team that is filled with hitters that make good swing decisions, right? You can do something with the baseball if you're deciding to swing at the right time. So the Giants have that. I think they 
can make adjustments. There might be a few players who just aren't going to hold their value because they, you know, Darren Ruff does come to mind because what is he if he is someone who's not hitting the ball over the fence? Can he be a gap to gap guy more? Is he going to, I think he's just, it's got to be power for him, even though he's got such a great eye, but overall the Giants have players who make good swing decisions. So some of them should be okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I wrote about how Darren Ruff kind of is almost a right-handed version of, of Max Muncy uh, mm. and doesn't have the track record uh, in the big leagues that Muncy has, uh, but did it in Korea and is somebody who has a lot of the same properties as a hitter, he makes really good swing decisions uh, and has some slug in his game and, uh, and and doesn't chase and and makes generally barreled contact. The barrel rate is down for Darren Ruff this year, but the exit velocity is still, you know, around the 80th percentile, uh, which is, you know, great bordering on elite. Uh, and he's just hitting a lot of warning track outs. I mean, he's hitting, he hit two outs that were 105 mile an hour plus um, in his first two at-bats Tuesday night. And, and then you look at Max Muncy and he did have a nice game uh, Wednesday. He did uh, sneak one over the fence on Wednesday night facing the real back end of the Giants bullpen, uh, a bullpen that's missing Zach Littell and Dom Leone to the COVID list. Um, but, but prior to that, you look at Max Muncy's game Tuesday night, and he hit a 365-foot out that looked like it was gone off the bat. And then he hit you know a, a hard grounder that skidded through the right side of the infield right to Tyra Estrada, who's shifted in right field to throw him out. So you're not being rewarded for hard contact, you know, no matter what trajectory it's at, if you're Max Muncy. And he entered Wednesday's game hitting 130. So, yeah, I'm sure that he's a, he was sort of having a crisis of, of confidence maybe as well. It's like, hey, do my skills still work? Um, and no, I don't think Joe Panic is coming back as a giant. <laughs> However, they do have an infielder who yes. had the best strikeout rate in the major leagues in 2020, and that's Tommy LaStella. And they hope to get him back because – now you're looking at Tommy LaStella as a guy who makes a lot of consistent contact, doesn't strike out. He might be more valuable than ever. And the Giants have him under contract this year in next. And, and, and he might be a guy who really uh, becomes a, a super valuable hitter if he can just stay healthy. And, and they do have the DH that they can use him at as well. So I think he could be a big key going forward if they can keep him on the field. Uh, and then obviously Lamont Wade Jr. is on his way back. He's probably going to be activated, I would imagine, later today. Um, Evan Longoria is on his way back as well. Um, so, yeah, they've been missing a lot of pieces. Brandon Belt, they didn't have him for two games. And and what you're creating is a bizarre scenario Wednesday where leading off an inning, they they were six for seven uh, with two walks. They got the leadoff uh, batter on in eight of nine innings. And then after that, uh, they were 0 for 26 after the first batter of an inning. And and obviously, the only run they scored was when Brandon Crawford let off the second inning with a homer. They're just going to have to get better at, at, at putting making quality contact with runners on base and uh, and not striking out. Because if, if it doesn't really pay off for you to take the, those huge two-strike rips uh, to try to swing for the fences because it's harder to get it over the fence – then I think the strikeouts all of a sudden are, are going back to being a little more damaging uh, and not part of the bargain that, that that sounds so good for a team. I seem to remember last year that everyone thought that the Giants were super, super, super homer dependent, that they weren't scoring runs if they weren't hitting home runs. But I, I seem to remember that I wrote something, and I can't remember what I wrote yesterday, much less last year. But I seem to remember that they, they actually did score runs. They did string hits together. They weren't just home run or nothing. At the same time, it feels like this team is especially home run or nothing. Maybe that's because the average is still down. And once you take away the home runs and now you're left with the low batting average that boy, you're, you, you might take a walk here and there, but you're not going to drive them in necessarily. 
is there hope for a Giants team that can't really put the ball over the fence? Is this a lineup that could? Because I remember looking at, gosh, when they get Evan Longoria and Lamont Wade Jr. back, they might be, it might be all gravy. But now I'm, I'm more excited about Tommy LaStella. Are there, is there anyone who can ape Tommy LaStella's production at all? Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. Um, it's, it's, uh, I think it boils down to what they have tried to communicate to their hitters and, and the culture they've tried to create, which is just making good swing decisions. And uh, um, and, and maybe it gets tweaked a little bit with two strikes, and, and maybe maybe you will be encouraged to, to shorten up a little bit. And, and we have seen them emphasize some small ball. I mean, when Luis Gonzalez came up uh, as the tying run in the ninth inning against Craig Kimbrell um, in, uh, with two outs Tuesday night, you know, that was a situation where you'd have a, a, usually a pinch hitter coming off the bench like a Wade or, or even a Donovan Solano, and they'd park one, and it would turn around the ball game. And what did Luis Gonzalez do? He bunted for a hit, and it was a great play. It, 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 uh, it got the, the go-ahead run to the plate. Uh, the problem is that that next batter was Luke Williams, and you could argue that maybe Lamont Wade should have been on the roster already. Tough to have a guy's first at-bat of the year be two outs in the ninth against Craig Kimbrell, but... Yeah, Luke Williams wasn't such a great matchup there, and, and, and that's just a consequence of where the Giants were roster-wise with the COVID situation and everything else. Uh, and obviously, he bounced out, and that was the end of the ballgame. But yeah, I just thought it was striking that you know, for a team that won so many games late and, and with so much power, especially off the bench late, um, you know, you, you had a guy instead bunting for, for a base hit to try to keep uh, the game alive. It, just, it was just a, kind of a telling juxtaposition for me. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let me throw a couple numbers at you. The Dodgers team ERA is 2.21, which <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, the Giants team ERA now is up to 3.33. Um, they've had a rough stretch this last week. But when you go to fielding independent pitching, the Dodgers FIP is 2.88, which is, you know, it regresses to the mean a little bit more. Uh, I think I just used that wrong. But you know what I mean? It, it, that seems a little bit more rational. The Giants FIP is 2.92. So almost identical to the Dodgers. The Dodgers team, B-A-B-I-P, BABIP, their batting average on balls in play, is 244. The Giants is 312. That can explain everything, but it's 2022, and I literally have no idea how to read numbers like this. If they don't mean anything anymore, if if teams have outsmarted BABIP, if the like, I just don't know if it's a fluke, if it's 
uh, function of defense, if the Dodgers have somehow tweaked baseball to their liking, what is going on with the Giants giving up far more hits than the Dodgers, despite most other things being equal? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just throw it out there. (laughs) Please, please. I'm confused. Help me not be confused. Well, I am confused as well. I don't know. It's, uh, you know, I I look at uh, the fact that Giants offense has been pretty good. And up until a couple days ago, uh, was leading the majors in runs per game. And you're like, how? How is this happening? <laughs> Nobody besides Jock Peterson was really popping off. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I think that maybe they they were getting um, a few lucky innings uh, str- strung together. And and really, the, their, their whole season, when they've gotten people on base, they've scored them. Uh, it seems like that. I have don't have the numbers in front of me. And that obviously wasn't the case Wednesday night. It was kind of the antithesis of that. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it, it was kind of telling to, to listen to Alex Wood after Wednesday's game, you know, they lost, uh, uh two to the Dodgers. They obviously, uh, haven't, didn't hit really any pitfalls in their schedule last season. And you really can't to win 107 games, but now you look up and, and boom, they've lost, uh, you know, five out of six, um, you know, one to the A's, uh, lost two or three to the Nationals at home, uh, gave up, what, 45 hits in three games to the Nationals. And then and then obviously uh, the two games against the Dodgers where they managed just two runs. And yeah, it's it's I think there's an acknowledgement from Alex Wood that, hey, look, you're not going to win 107 games every year. And there's absolutely nothing controversial about that statement. There's really no concession in that statement whatsoever. But it's still a little bit tough to hear, you know, that, uh, hey, you know, last year was magical and we don't expect it to be like that. No, Nobody can expect it to be like that every year. I think there is also you have Carlos Rodon as the prize of the offseason. But in general, there just wasn't a ton of activity in the offseason. You have Kevin Gossman doing wondrous things for the Blue Jays. And the Giants didn't get that big bat, and they didn't get that extra lineup reinforcement. And then you look up, and you have like a three-four-five of Kevin Padlow, Luis Gonzalez, Jason Voss, or I don't, whoever you're throwing out there, Luke Williams in there, and you start to go, hmm, like I don't know that money would have been the answer because the Giants could have signed Michael Conforto, lost a draft pick, and then he'd be out for the year with a shoulder injury, but. There is a perception issue, and if the Giants aren't going to keep making Mike Estremskis and Lamont Wade Juniors with this current crop of minor league free agents in minor acquisitions, it's going to look bad. It's going to have a perception problem in addition to a not scoring runs problem. I totally agree, and I think they put a lot of pressure on themselves as a front office when they didn't go out and get another high-profile free agent. And honestly, you could look at Kevin Gosman, who's got like 40 strikeouts and still has not walked a batter this year. Hmm. And you could say, well, you know, they got Rodon instead of Gosman. This is why they like the shorter-term deal. What if the answer was both? I mean, they had the money. Why not? You know, when you look up and you want to be mad about something, be mad about that. Because Kevin Gosman wanted to come back and he never got an offer. And maybe four years down the line, you'll say, wow, boy, Good thing the Giants didn't sign Kevin Gossman. You don't know. You can't make any judgments about you know a, a guy's first four or five starts on a five-year deal. But they had the money to do it. You know they do. And they could have. And if they had, they certainly would be weathering this a little bit better with Anthony DiScalfani on the injured list, Alex Cobb on the injured list, and they're already having to throw you know, bullpen games. They might even throw a bullpen game here to start the series against the Cardinals. So, um, yeah, that, I, I think, you know, you can look at the hitting options. Um, and I think all of them had some warts and were imperfect to some degree. But, man, you, you start to think if they had signed Kevin Gosman, in addition to Carlos Rodon, you, you got to think they'd be feeling a little bit better about where they are right now. 
I will not make too much of it because I looked at the Giants rotation before the season started and thought, yeah, it was pretty darn good. And even a week or two into the season, yeah, this is working out. But my response to wait until year five or year four for Kevin Gossman and you'll see what the Giants were trying to avoid. I'm thinking about year two of Anthony Disclafani, year three of Anthony Disclafani. And it's just I'm, I'm wondering what the Giants are going to look like in 2026 or 2027, if there will even be a 2027. I don't know. Things are kind of careening off course around here. I, I, I'm not worried about that. I just I think about the 2022, 2022 team and how much better they might have been with Gossman or with free agent X or Y. And I, it's it's easier to say when they're 14 and 10 and in the middle of a, a little bit of a losing funk, but it seems like now is the time to complain and grumble and go, wow, I, I understand 107 wins wasn't the goal or realistic, but do something else, something better than Kevin Padlow. No offense to Kevin Padlow or his family. Yeah, right. Yeah, When the Giants had a, a text come across <laughs> so with the roster move, uh, Giants uh, call up Kevin Padlow and option Mike Ford. I was like, 72 yes. hours earlier, I'd be like, did, did somebody sit on their phone? What Was there a mistake made? What What is that? Who are these people? Um, so, yeah. But, I mean, you know, that's they're looking outside their organization for people they can grab and plug in for a couple days while they're, you know, in COVID land. And, you know, I, that was quite a fatalistic statement that you made, or or I don't I don't know if fatalistic is the right word, but it's like, how can we judge what, what Kevin Gossman's going to be like in 2024? There might not be a 2024. And, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, general nuclear exchanges are possible. Um, I, it reminds me of when we did our sort of mega uh, fantasy draft as a baseball staff where, where we had yeah. to pick, uh, we had to draft a, a city and an owner and a, a franchise and a ballpark. Um, and and I think it was Matt Gelb, uh, uh, our Phillies writer, and he drafted uh, Minnesota and we said, well, why Minnesota? And he said, well, because global warming, duh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> San Francisco's going to be underwater. Good luck with that, pal. Uh, so I'm like, wow, you know, that, that's, that's really, truly thinking ahead right there. Um, but, uh, but yeah. We're not here to talk about global warming. <laughs> I think Denver would be the spot because you're not going to have that that uh, weird Midwest humidity. I think you're going to have nice uh, dry air in Colorado. I actually don't know what the weather's like outside of my general radius. So maybe it's humid in Denver. I don't know. Well, you'll have the universal humidor, um, the standardized humidor in every ballpark. So at least the baseballs will be nice and dry. Nice and dry, never moist, never past its expiration date. So the Giants, with this new ball, it's um, I keep trying to run through and, and trying to figure out how their pitching will be affected because the Giants excelled at preventing home runs last year. That was their shtick. That is what made them so much better than most pitching staffs. And in a world where other teams can prevent home runs now just because the ball isn't going out as fast, do they lose that advantage? I don't think so. I think the Giants, they've allowed 13 home runs, which is still the best in the National League. Uh, they are, if you look at strikeouts, walks, home runs, innings pitched, they're right there in every category with the Dodgers except for hits. I think the pitching staff overall is doing a, a pretty darn good job and has been for most of the year. But the bullpen has been shaky over the last couple of games. The rotation's been shaky. 
are things going in the wrong direction in a way to be concerned about? Or is it just, well, they weren't going to have a under two ERA for the whole year. This is just a, there's going to be ebbs and flows, what have you. They'll be fine or they'll be, they'll even out at some point. In a world where the pill is centered in the baseball and the first first uh, layer of yarn is wound a little less tightly than before, will the Giants' advantage go away? It is the, called a pill, by the way. I didn't know that. The, the sort of the, the composite like core. I always thought it was called a core, but it's called a pill. This is the pill pod. Start it's, with it's, Brett Pill. Yeah, Brett Pill, happily named, right? Um, anyway, th- so this was all to center the pill, I guess, more in the ball uh, to make the ball, I guess, a little, play a little more true. Uh, and okay. and so the first layer of yarn is not wound as tightly, and that's what they think is 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 leading to some of this uh, drag coefficient change. Um, I don't know. I'm not smart enough to cut open baseballs and look at them and say, "Oh gosh, well look looky here." Um, I I just ask Eno what's going on, and he tells me, um, and I I nod <laughs> and, and pretend to understand everything he's telling me. Um, but yeah, it's it it, it is. It, I think it, as Ken Rosenthal wrote recently, really we're talking about the freaking ball again. Um, you know, and I think we've talked about it before. It, it's it's the lack of transparency around it that I think has been most frustrating to to us who cover the game, to people who watch the game, and and to the players who rely on you know a set of standards that they can kind of um, they're not surprised when they change. So. Um, You know, however it changes, I I think right now it's just really tough to be a hitter because you're not getting rewarded for hard contact almost anywhere. Uh, And when when shifts, uh, there is some legislation to change them a little bit. Uh, I think we all know that's probably coming next year. Um, Then maybe that will uh, further, um, I guess, change how hitters think about making contact that isn't necessarily launched and, and, and whether that will be valued even more. Uh, and and maybe all of these things will be better for the aesthetics of the game. Uh, you'll have more action, uh, maybe fewer strikeouts. A lot of the things that um, we've been talking about uh, that, that are troubling more more strikeouts than hits. You know, maybe some of these things will eventually um, get get us back on the path to you know more aesthetically pleasing baseball. But for now, it just feels like MLB is just is at the wheel of a car that's fishtailing, and and and, and just everything they do is an overcorrection. Um, so, you know, hopefully we get there, uh, and, and the game can organically fix the rest. But, uh, yeah, for now, I, the part that I think is interesting is just how everyone reacts to it and, and how they kind of change what they do and what they value. So a week of losing baseball can color perceptions and make you think, uh, boy, things aren't on track. The plan is failing. IE, let's all run for the hills. Uh, the Giants' plan this season has been to get bulk innings, just quality innings. It's not necessarily about five, 200 innings pitched guys, but just 1,400 innings for the year that give you, uh, that prevent runs and do better than the other team. And I think that is still the plan. The plan is to get five quality innings, six quality innings, maybe seven if a guy's really feeling it from the starter and then turn it over to a bullpen that is still pretty good at preventing preventing runs, and I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different relievers who have been used a fair amount this year with an ERA under three. Do you still have faith in the bullpen? I'm going to go on record by saying I think they're still pretty good. I think that is still the plan, and I think that's still a quality plan to prevent runs. It just hasn't worked out as great this last week. Yeah, I mean, the bullpen's not going to perform like they did on on the the first road trip, you know, all year, where they have like an 090 ERA and give up one homer in 40 plus innings. I mean, it's just it's not going to be that good 
all the time. Uh, I was surprised, I have to say, even though they are missing Dom Leone and, and Zach Littell as we're recording this, um, I was surprised that in the 3-1 game uh, when uh, not only, well, first of all, I was surprised they stuck with Alex Wood to face Mookie Betts a third time, and that resulted in a homer because Wood was up most of the game, even though he'd struck out the side in the previous inning. Uh, so I think that that was probably a, not a great decision and obviously not a good outcome. But then, you know, they didn't go to uh, their leverage relievers to keep that game close. They, they went to Yovera, uh, uh, they put Sam Long in there, and then of course, uh, you know, after things got really off the rails, then Tyler Beatty went out there to uh, finish up, which you know may, may be his last appearance as a Giant. Who knows? They're going to need some forty-man spots here pretty quick uh, with people coming off the COVID list. So, um, but I was surprised that they didn't go to Tyler Rogers and they didn't go to some of their leverage guys who hadn't pitched a lot recently. Um, uh, to try to chase that win down. So there are a couple things that surprised me about you know what Gabe Kapler did uh, Wednesday uh, in LA. But I think for the most part, yeah, I, this is a bullpen that has been you know very very good and um, uh, at home run suppression. Maybe to your point, might not be as uh, pronounced an advantage over the rest of the league if the ball's not flying the same. But they throw strikes, you know, <laughs> they throw strikes and they 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 work quickly. Um, and they don't beat themselves for the most part. And boy, there are a lot of uh, teams in the major leagues that would love to have a group of relievers they can say that about. Is this the worst stretch of Giants baseball since Trevor Gott was blowing saves every day or every other day or so? And I'm not saying that to be snarky. I'm just trying to put this in perspective. Has it been that long since the Giants have had a week like this? You know, it feels that way. I mean, I'd have to go back and look at, uh, I can call up their game by game in 2021 and see. uh, I mean, they they never lost more than three in a row, that I know. Um, But yeah, let's see. I'm looking at it. I just... Boy, a lot of W's on here. Look at all these W's. Ooh, some shiny, shiny W's. Last August, they had a, a pretty rough ser- um, series against the Braves towards the end of August. Uh, looks like they lost four in a row and then five out of seven between August and September. So, okay, I guess that there was a little bit of a hiccup and it started coming at exactly the wrong time. And then, oh, look at that. They went in and they thumped the Rockies in Coors Field, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it's not been that long, but I it, that wasn't snark. That was just sort of what sort of charmed life have the Giants led and what sort of charmed life did we as podcasters lead? Because it's fun to talk about a team that's performing well. Yeah, I, I see another five out of eight stretch that they lost in late July, including a walk off at Dodger Stadium, and and I see the stretch oh. you're talking about there as well. But I mean, I, even even in July, you know, when they lost, you know, five out of eight there, which is not the end of the world, you know, a, after the end of that stretch, and they started winning again, um, <laughs> they, they were fifty one and thirty, you know, or or I mean, they already had banked so many wins by that point that you know, even if they lost, you know. Eight out of nine, you you wouldn't be freaking out because they'd be have banked so many wins, and, and this team obviously hasn't really done that yet because it's you know the first week of May. So um, so yeah, I, I do think that you you maybe approach it with a little more um, kind of wariness, I suppose. Um, what is the future of this team going to look like? Is it going to be kind of a struggle uh, all year to to tread water? And th- that was another thing Alex Wood said. We just got to tread water right now. And I thought, boy, that's something nobody said last year. Um, <laughs> you know, you were doing the, the you were doing the the, the freestyle swim, you're, and you were tearing across the water all year. Um, so yeah, it's it's clearly a different season. And and 
we knew that going in. This was going to be a different season, a different year. You can't rely on it being exactly like last year. Last year was was the anomaly. It wasn't uh, it wasn't going to be the standard. Prediction on home runs from Nolan Arenado over the four game series? Eleven billion. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I do think that Darren Ruff's going to get one eventually, and uh, yeah. and he needs one. Darren Ruff. Uh, the big galoot. He he needs a home run. Uh, I think he's doing okay. You know, he's he's not making poor swing decisions. Um, I'll tell you what, though. You know, one guy that I was thinking about because we're talking about you know strikeouts and maybe how the strikeout might be coming back into being a problem again instead of something that is um, sort of I guess not looked at uh, with as much scorn or shame or, or what have you use whatever word you want. But, you know, I wonder how this affects someone like Joey Bart. And he's still drawing walks. He's, he's drawn 10 walks, and, and that's kept his on base uh, a little bit up there. Um, but, you know, you wonder if, if those strikeouts are going to become a little bit more of an issue, uh, given all the other things we're talking about. That could, be, that could be something interesting that they might be discussing as well. He's a fascinating hitter. Just because his walk rate is, is shooting up, it's clearly something the organization's been working on. Uh, and he's making great strides. And he has a 339 on base percentage right now. That's pretty darn good for what they're asking for him. It feels like he's transforming as a hitter. Um, and so I'm, I don't want to be too hard on him. I think it's it's maybe transforming for the better. But the strikeouts, whoa, boy, they are they're getting up there. Yeah, I mean it's almost 50, it's fifty percent now. And um, I think you know they all knew there was going to be a lot of swing and miss there. Um, but uh, you know he's being pitched pretty tough. And uh, um, you know how is he going to adjust uh, while he also you know catching the staff and doing everything that they need him to do behind the plate and I I will give him a lot of credit though um you know I talked to him the other day in the dugout and you know I did not sense a guy that was you know having a crisis of confidence or was just all in his head uh when he's in the field I, I don't feel like he's someone who takes his at bats out there and it seems like he's been pretty focused and has has been running a, a pretty clean game uh, and, you know, you're throwing a lot at him. You're throwing pitch com at him. You're throwing, you know, a, a whole bunch of different uh, relievers at him that he hasn't really worked with, um, you know, and, and trying to bullpen through some games. I mean, you're asking a lot of a young catcher there. And I, I feel like defensively he's been everything they could have hoped for. A couple of squirrely throws have gone into center field. But, um, you know, I think for the most part. Uh, he's not allowing his offensive issues to leak into his defense. And that's, I think that's a very good sign uh, because um, I think that's something that people have always looked out for with catchers. All right. This has been episode number 184 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. We will be back on Monday to talk about what in the heck the Giants did uh, against the Cardinals in this four game series. And we will know if the Giants are back on track or if there is some concern to be had. Thank you for listening. We will see you then.